Welcome to the Hope City Drip. This is a podcast of Hope City Church here in Clinton, Iowa, where we exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy of Clinton. And we know that life can be busy and it can be hectic. And so we've designed this podcast for you to listen to our vision and our mission here in Clinton and in the surrounding communities. Uh, Digest it at your own pace. It's a vision drip. So let it drip at your own pace. You can take advantage of this technology. You can pause it. You can 2X it. Whatever you need to do, uh, this is for you to help you live to the glory of Jesus and the joy of your local context. And so today, uh, I just want to jump on here and I want to talk about uh, basically something that sparked in me um, as I was having a conversation with a guy at the coffee shop. Uh, He's another ministry leader in town, great dude. And I was having a conversation with him about um, a book he was reading. And he was reading this book, I think, well, he was telling me about this book he bought. I don't even know if he's fully reading it yet, but he's uh, describing, it's called like One or something. And the reason he's reading this book is because he had a conversation with a mentor of his to um, where his mentor encouraged him to get more uh, clarity and focus in his life. Um, and so the book is really about having like a one single focus and purpose and life goal um, that you incorporate into your life. And it's, it's similar to the, the idea behind this, the way we were, the way he was talking about it to me is similar to why like, uh, the minimalist podcast or being a minimalist, um, in your lifestyle. That's the same reason why that appeals to people is that in the chaos of modern life, what can be chaotic, uh, we live in a, uh, chaotic, um, time of information overload, um, you know, political overload, media overload. We just live in a time of like, ah, everything's coming at you. And to try to get some sanity, um, it is healthy to reduce your options, reduce things, get out the excess fluff, um, superficial stuff, and focus on what's important. And what we're living through right now with the pandemic um, and all the political turmoil and things like that is that it, it's really stressing people out. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of anxiety right now. Um, as a pastor, I, you know, have the privilege to talk to people about their interior of their life, you know, what makes them anxious and sad and their emotions and their mindset and things like that. And, and, and so I'm, I'm praying and thinking through, um, just the culture we live in from the standpoint of, uh, we're souls, you know, we are, we exist in relationship to God and, uh, we, we know that God promises us peace. Um, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the, this time of year we celebrate him as Emmanuel, like God with us. And so we want to find peace in God. We want to find some sense of sanity in a world that seems to go have gone mad and gone off the rails. And so this conversation I had at the coffee shop was just really encouraging to me um, to hear, you know, him wrestling through like, man, I want to find some some sanity and joy and uh, and just really like get more clear on what it is that I'm doing with my life and giving it, giving it all to God. And for me, as I was thinking and reflecting on that conversation on the drive back home, uh, it reminded me, um, it reminded me of this idea, this biblical idea that 
um, the church is called to have a singular focus on Jesus. And not just having a singular focus on Jesus, but having a singular loyalty to Jesus. So God didn't save us just so that you know, our attention span would be fixed on him, but that we would worship him. Part of worshiping God is understanding and submitting to God as our, not just our Savior, but as our Lord. Um, Jesus is our Lord. He's our King. Uh, this time of year with the Advent season, it really brings that theme to the forefront, that Jesus is, is our King and Lord, and he was born into this world uh, so that he may rule, um, that he would live a life um, that was perfect, that he would die on the cross for our sins, and that he would resurrect on the third day and, and demonstrating victory over death and over Satan and over the evil um, powers and principalities of this world. And so Jesus, the story of Jesus, um, is a story of Jesus as Lord. And so we, as the church, engage with God um, not just as our, our personal Savior, but as uh, the Lord of our life and, and the Lord of our lives. And the reason I was thinking about this is that, you know, the conversation with uh, the dude at the coffee shop, it, you know, it reminded me, you know, he, he's a part of a different church. And the sense of camaraderie that we had as we were just discussing God and, and life is, it was a brief conversation, but the sense of camaraderie we had, um, it felt like we were playing for the same team. It was like, you know, we were were on staff at different churches in in town, but we were, it was clear that the same spirit lived in us and that we wanted the same thing. You know, we wanted Jesus to be glorified and we wanted to worship him more deeply and fully and rest in him more thoroughly. And, um, and, it, and I've been reading some books, uh, like I was reading a book called Disappearing Church by Mark Sayers. It's a very good book. But he, he's describing this context that we live in. The surrounding culture is what people call post-Christian. I'm sure you've heard that term, that we, are, we have moved from uh, this idea of Christendom, where the, the culture around us is mostly, uh, you know, thinks Christianity is a good idea, right? That Christian values... And Christian teaching is kind of like in the public sphere. It's just like, you know, it'd be like back in the day, you go into a job interview and it probably wouldn't be uncommon for someone to be like, yeah, I like I go to the Methodist church and their boss is like, oh, no, oh, great. You know, you're Christian or whatever. Like it, it, it was, Christendom is marked by Christianity being the dominant idea that everyone sort of subscribes to, at least gives surface level um, attention to. And so now we live in a, in a place, uh, in a time in the, in the world history that we're in post Christendom where Christianity is actually seen as kind of a bad and toxic idea. Um, there's a lot of things in the Bible that just don't square with where the culture's at. You know, thing I'm thinking of gender, sexuality, um, you know, like the, the doctrine of hell, sin, those types of things are not very popular with the modern pop culture, what you see in movies and, um, you know, politics and things like that. So uh, what we're finding is that in a culture that's more hostile, becoming more hostile to the church and to the idea of God and to Christian teaching, churches, I think, 
it seems like God's people are starting to flow together. The streams are flowing together because we realize that, you know, um, the temptation in a Christian, like in a Christian society is that like churches are seen as like a bunch of subgenres of like, like, okay, my grandma one time, um, she's since passed away, but she, she had a conversation with me that I'll never forget. It was, she made this offhand remark where, um, she said she was praying for me, which was really nice. Um, I appreciated her saying that, but she, she said, even though she put this caveat in there, even though we are of different faiths and what she meant was, um, she's Lutheran and I'm, I grew up Baptist. And so she like had to put a caveat in there. Like, Oh, even though we're of different faiths, um, I'm praying for you. And I know what she meant. Like she, I think she meant like we're of different traditions, like faith traditions, and so, you know, she wanted to, you know, even though I'm a Lutheran, I'm still praying for you as a Baptist. Well, it's rare. It's that's indicative of her generation's mindset that there was a lot of difference between Lutherans and Baptists. Um, and in a world where everybody's assumed to be Christian, like you just that becomes a huge difference is that if everyone's Christian, then the main difference is, is that you're different types of Christian. Um, so like you're Presbyterian, you're different from, um, Lutheran or whatever. Well, in a world that's more hostile to Christianity in a post-Christian world, you start to not, you don't subdivide as much on denominations or traditions. You're actually just like, you're either Christian or you're not. Like you start to see like the, the difference is, is that if you're in the Christian church, that's pretty, um, counter-cultural compared to the where the wider culture is at. And so you're starting to see the streams flow together, I think. You know, Pentecostal tradition, um, you know, Lutheran tradition, mainline tradition, whatever, different types of denominational traditions are starting to flow together. Uh, and you see this mostly in the younger generation. And I can speak on just behalf of my 30-something-year-old year self. Um, millennial generation younger that's in the church cares less. I know this from firsthand experience cares less about denominational, you know, hallmarks uh, than they do about other things. Whereas generations ago, it might've been different. So yeah, I was just talking to this guy and it was like, okay, um, we're playing for the same team, but like, what, what does that really mean? Like, what's the theological understanding and basis of this? And um, one of the things that has always struck me about the church is that the Bible describes the church as its own distinct city, uh, as the church is its own distinct people. It's its own um, country, if you will, to use kind of modern language. So Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he, this is famous saying that I think everybody knows, but it, Jesus says that the church, you are a light to the world and you are a city on a hill that God's people are a light to the world and a city on a hill. And uh, God's people, the city thing, like being its own city, um, that word there in the Greek is polis, city-state. And, and, and so God's people, like the, the concept of the church is far more than just a country club. Uh, it's far more than just like a, a, a social group that organizes itself around preferences. Um, it's its own nation 
that is organized around a leader, a Lord, God, Jesus himself is our leader, and we are a people group knit together in the strongest bond possible through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's significant. And so, you know, whether um, whether you're Baptistic or you're whatever, like whatever, like sort of preferences that you may have in like what what instruments you're going to worship to on Sunday mornings or like how you practice your small groups. Like, do you eat meals or you not eat meals? Do you like study through Romans or do you study through Ephesians? Like those types of things are sort of preference decisions. But what is the, what is the common bond that unites us? It's that Jesus is our King and our leader and that his people are their own distinct nation. And so that is the highest, um, believing loyalty or group that we belong to is to the church. We are members of God's people before we are members of the American nation. We are members of God's people before we are members of any other thing, fill in the blank, public school, you know, PTA or like homeschool co-op or um, sports teams or whatever, like your primary identity is that God is your God. And that the church are now is now your family. And that that's radical. You know, like it's just it's it is. It's a really radical idea. And it has a lot of practical implications. Um first Peter kind of draws out that implication. Um for the letter of First Peter, uh, chapter two, verses nine and ten kind of talk about this. Uh Peter references the church as uh, God's chosen and holy nation. This is a reference back to Exodus where God saves the people and then says, I will be their God and you will be my people. And, and he's really building this. This is a total like, like the people, this isn't just a club, like it's a whole new people group. Um, the way you think about it, it'd be like a uh, you know, if you hear stories about the way our country was founded, there's a lot of energy that went into like, how are we going to organize? Um, what is our identity and what are our principles that we organize around? And how does our nation look? And, and there's tons of energy into that, forming that people, the American people. And um, that is the way the church is described, but like higher, like the, the it's even bigger and more expansive of a category is like Jesus is Lord and King and leader over us. And we are his people, a new race of people, a holy nation, a new country. And the mark of us, this is in verse 10 in First Peter, we are marked out to be a people of mercy. And, and that, oh man, I needed to hear that as I was reading through um, that section of scripture, I just needed God's word to hit me um, the way it hit me. Um, because one of the implications of that is, is that you are, if you're marked out now by being a light to the nation, if, you're, if your country's primary marking is that you're a Jesus people, um, marked out by how Jesus is, like who Jesus is, is that he's a God of mercy, um, then now you are to go and bear that mark. Like, you know how there's all sorts of stereotypes in all other parts of the world about different countries? 
like I was watching on YouTube the other day, a bunch of videos of people in other countries, like in Europe who did, who's doing American accents. And, uh, it was, it's really funny. And it actually reminds me now that I'm thinking of it. I was in French class when I was younger, like when I was in high school, um, it was, I think it was my senior year. There was a German, um, exchange student. He came over and he, (laughs) I'll never forget. He is sitting next to me and he's describing American accents and he start he impersonates Americans and he and he was like I'm a real American cowboy. <laughs> that was like how he uh that's his American impression. And uh and you know the funny thing is 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 as funny as that is it's like there's all sorts of stereotypes about like what is the American people marked out by? Is it greed? Um is it the way we are good at you know, certain sports or our economy or whatever, like everybody has a stereotype that thinks that that's what it means to be an American. Well, God saves a people and the the church, God's people, is now marked out by mercy. And so that to live into that identity um, in submission to Jesus as our Lord means that uh, it means a bunch of things, but one of the things that I, th- I found encouragement with is during this politically tumultuous time to be in the American nation, um, to be, you know, in conversation with people, like there's all sorts of landmines that you can step on, right? Like, you know this. Uh, there's all sorts of political uh, divisive conversations that you could be having, whether it's about masks or vaccines or um, racial issues, uh, whatever it is, there's all sorts of landmines that you can step on as a Christian uh, in conversations with people. And what you need to feel the freedom in is that you're a Jesus person first and then everything else second. At the very most, that's second. But you're a Jesus person first. And that means that your primary um, uh, mark is that you're a people of mercy, uh, people uh, that are shaped by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that means that you're, you're um, allowed to and you should be willing to lose political ground for the sake of gaining kingdom ground. And what I, what I mean by that is let's say you're at home for a holiday conversation with your family. And, you know, you got an uncle. I'm just going to speak like I'm assuming, um, you know, I, like this is something that I, f- I feel like I've had firsthand experience um, is that you you inevitably have family members that that have stronger opinions about politics uh, than you do in areas um, that like you know I'm trying to think of something without <laughs> I don't want to out anybody um, you know like okay there back when Obama was president his first term um, I remember seeing all over the internet and I remember seeing in my own email inbox a bunch of email chains, like a bunch of like, you know, Obama's not a real citizen or he's not an American citizen. He wasn't born in America. And, you know, Obama's a Muslim and Obama, you know, is doing all this, this and this. I'm not even going to comment on whether I I believe that or not. But there was all these things. It was like, it was like, that was what got people animated when I was home for the holidays is talking about Obama and the decline of the American nation and all sorts of stuff. And, um, you know, I have my own opinions about that stuff. 
I, I have my own political opinions, but, um, you know, I don't know, like I haven't been on this earth that long. I haven't lived through as many political administrations. And so I'm not as well refined in the talking points of whatever my political views are. And, uh, and you know what? That's okay. Because Jesus, he doesn't call us to be, um, people that are marked out primarily by our political affiliation. And so when I walk into those conversations with relatives and with friends and with other people in the community, I don't have to win every conversation about politics. I just don't. I, I have the freedom to, for the sake of making Jesus look good and for the sake of um, bearing my identity as a member of the church, I want to get to the gospel with somebody. I want to get to that point in a conversation. I want to show them the mercy that Jesus offers all those that believe in him. And so I'm willing to lose a, a conversation if someone says something that I don't agree with. You know what? That's fine. I'm just going to let it go. You know, As, even if it's an important issue, oftentimes I'm going to let it go even if I disagree with them because I want to get to the point where we're, dis- where we're talking about the cross of Christ. I want to talk about what people love and, and what do they think about God and his love for them. And oftentimes we can't get to that conversation about God and his mercy because we've already died on the wrong hill. You know, we're having a conversation about gun rights or something. And maybe, maybe you think, maybe you're the type of person that really um, values their guns and their gun rights. Uh, and you're talking with somebody who doesn't value that. And that's a big deal for you. That's a big issue for you. And so you're not backing down from that conversation. Well, if it's an unbeliever, oh boy, like the problem there is that you might have lost this person because they think that your primary allegiance is to the American nation and that your Christian faith is mostly just a stump to stand on when you want to assert your influence or uh, that it's just a personal choice, kind of like being vegan. Oh yeah, that guy's a Christian, but he doesn't really talk about Jesus very often. He just talks about politics. Um, Jesus as Lord and you being a part of the church as a as its own people and its own country that supersedes and transcends your loyalty to the American nation. That that has practical implications, uh, and I think it has implications of um, freedom. You have, you have greater freedom in conversation with people, not to be constrained by divisive political and divisive social issues. Also, um, one of the implications is that we are to unify around King Jesus rather than around King me. And what I mean by that is that, holy moly, we live, we live in a DIY culture and every single person has an opinion on everything. And because we have technology like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all sorts of stuff, we all have the power to be media outlets. So we all have the ability to publish our opinions um, in the same sort of area as like news sources, you know, like NBC's got a Twitter. So do you whatever. I'm assuming you have a Twitter, but people have Twitter accounts and so do celebrities and stuff. And so it's all just kind of gets put out there and, um, everyone's got their own opinion, but what matters is what Jesus says, right? And 
praise God, he, he gives us his word and his will is made known through the scriptures. And so that leads me to the next implication is that we rally around the word of God and unify around the word of God because that's Jesus's um, spoken revelation to us, like written down through the word. We understand what, what is required of us as his people. And so Hope City Church, this is why we are a, a confessional, um, creedal community. Like we have a confessional statement of our faith. You go on our website, you click on um, beliefs, and you'll roll up onto uh, a, a page, a website page that says, we believe in um, biblical, historic Christianity, and then it has our Christology statement on uh, on that webpage, and that Christology statement is our standard, our confessional standard. Um, I don't like to think of it as a bare minimum. I like to think of it as an essential. Uh, so to bring this full circle with what sparked this conversation um, is when I was talking to the guy in the coffee shop, and you know, I know he goes to a church that's more established than ours, and that means that as a ministry leader, he's having to shepherd people and talk with people that have all sorts of um, uh, developed and generations of political um, opinions and all sorts of stuff that's just a part of his community, his church community. Um, and so he's got to navigate those things like, I don't know, like for example, um, American flag in the sanctuary. Some churches, like if there's not an American flag in the sanctuary, you're like, might as well be a heretic. You know, you not care about our Christian nation. Um, other churches are like, well, if there's an American flag in the in the sanctuary, that means that we're, you know, that means that we're more of a, a God and country Christian, you know, like the church is just an instrument of politics. And so we want that out of there. We, we don't even want like to see the American flag, whatever. And in a congregation that's been around for a long time and done things a certain way for a long time, those become very divisive issues. And so for him and for any other Christian who is a part of the, the local church, they need to understand, we need to understand, and I'm including myself in this, is that we unify around the word of God and not around our preferences. As meaningful and as important as those preferences are, um, we need to unify around the word of God first because that's our only chance in coming to the table with the rest of the stuff that we're passionate about and having a conversation where we bear with one another in love because the only way we are able to bear one another, bear with one another in love is if we all agree that the most important thing in the universe is Jesus and what he's done, his life, his death and his resurrection and sharing that gospel with the world. Like if we don't believe that that's the most important thing, then we're going to die on the wrong hills. But if we believe that that's the most important thing, then I think that we can die on the right hills. So that's, I really just want this to be an encouragement to you is that um, your theology of the church has practical implications. And there's more um, areas of this that we could go into. We could talk about baptism and how that relates to this. Um, you know, we, we can talk about the kingdom of God and what is the role of submission to our authorities, as scripture says, and what is our role in politics? And we can talk about all those things. But what I'm saying is that we need to get back to um, an understanding of what is essential. Ministry 
uh, a church essentialism. What is essential? And that's why the creeds exist, is that they're, they're there to fence out our unity. Like, okay, if you believe that, you know, if you believe that Jesus is Lord, you believe God is the Trinity, and, you know, that Jesus came to the earth to die on the cross, like, there's, there's these things that are core to what it means to be a Christian. If we can agree on those things, if we can agree on those truths, then we have a real shot at finding peace and joy together, even in the midst of difference. And this is super important in 2020, super important as we go into the next year, because I I just have to believe that this is only going to get worse. Um, The political divisiveness and the talking at each other, the secular culture, the Christian culture, even within the church, man, there's just, there's so many things to divide over. And that's why it's important that we get back to the essentials, get back to Jesus and the cross. And, uh, and, and don't just like give those things a little touch. Don't just say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all believe that. Well, do you? Rest in that. Get in that. Take a deep dive into scripture. Swim in it. And then the other things I think will pale in comparison. And, and we have a real shot to, to be a community of love marked out by the mercy of Christ. So whether you are a member of Hope City Church or not, uh, whether you live here in Clinton, Iowa or elsewhere, I just hope that this podcast has been encouraging to you, that it stirs your imagination and stirs your affections for Christ, and that you would live um, into your vocation following Jesus for his glory and for the joy of your local community.